0: From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of LPL Market Signals. Jeff Bookbinder here, your host for this week, with my friend and colleague, Quincy Crosby. That is uh, March 13th, 2023, as we are recording this. Quincy, thanks for joining today. How are you?
2: Good, thank you. Appreciate it.
1: Yeah, it's a tough day, certainly. Uh, well, late last week was was tough for um, for all of us following the markets closely. So I think job number one for us today is going to be to try to help make sense of the Silicon Valley Bank failure. You know, why did it happen? Um, you know, what does it mean? I think the this first bullet point here, you see risk of contagion. This is really the question people are asking most today. Uh, but we'll also talk about how this is different. Then 2008, and then highlight some opportunities, you know, plus some risks. But really, we think based on where the banks are selling off, are are selling at now, at least some of these uh, more diversified banks, you know, the banks with better balance sheets, certainly than some of the banks that have failed have. uh, Obviously, there there may be some opportunities. So we'll talk a little bit about that too. And then the weekly market commentary for this week is on. just an update on asset allocations. We've got a few charts. We'll run through uh, really quickly on that. You could find the weekly market commentary on LPL.com. Uh, and then lastly, um, we will preview the week's data. And actually, I mean, people aren't going to be paying close attention to it, but there's actually a lot of very important uh, data. So um, we'll get to that at the end. Let's talk Silicon Valley Vacancy. So maybe I'll I'll start by just sort of framing what happened really high level and then I'll let you talk about some of the um the implications here and and you know whether we we are at risk of contagion. So um some things make Silicon Valley Bank unique. Um you know they were put into receivership on Friday uh because the capital position eroded so significantly. A few things happened right we had a run on deposits. They have a very concentrated customer base uh, a lot of venture funded startups um and you know those deposits weren't very sticky and word traveled fast that the bank was in trouble so essentially 40 billion dollars plus left the bank within hours very very quickly uh, something I don't think we've ever seen before so that was the that was a big problem of course. But the other piece of this was their balance sheet, right? They weren't reserved against that deposit flight because they had so many interest rate sensitive treasuries, right? Long duration treasuries. And when they had to mark those to market and take those losses on their balance sheet, uh, coupled with the deposit flight, uh, they were at the point where they couldn't continue as as a going, going concern, right? So it really took those things together, mismanaging the interest rate, sensitivity of their balance sheet, coupled with the deposit flight, which was really um, made possible by their niche client base, you know, in the sort of startup tech and startup biotech universe. So um, that that's really what happened. So Quincy, let me turn it to you, you know, why is this situation different? and And is there, you know, than what we've experienced maybe in in, in 2008, and what do you see as the risk of contagion?
2: Well, first of all, contagion really is a function of fear. It's a function of just panic. That that's what leads to contagion. And the next thing you know, folks are saying, "Well, what about my bank?" Uh, and then they, then they run, uh, create a run on on their banks. Uh, What, what the Fed is trying to do, or the Fed and the FDIC and Treasury Department all working together is to uh, quell that sense of fear. And they did it rather quickly, actually. Um, they, first of all, they tried to sell the bank. It didn't work. You know, they had uh, PNC, I think they were talking to PNC. Didn't, didn't, didn't happen. Nothing happened. So the next thing you know, you get a statement that the deposit those with who have deposits under 250,000 of course they they are insured they would be safe and then it, it was also added that even those who have more than 250,000 which many of the depositors were in that category they would be safe too but the shareholders no in any case the idea was not not right now they weren't worried about the bank. They were worried about a run on other banks. So it was interesting uh, that you know that the market was waiting for even more. But what happened and, and why why this is different than 2008 is that that was a function of the subprime mortgages. That all of the um all of the banks, portfolio managers had them in their portfolios, and the reason was they gave you extra yield. It was a period in which yields were kind of, you know, just very quiet, and there was an ability to take those subprime mortgages, package them, and then lever them up, and it was the leverage that was associated with them that really just destroyed uh, as many banks as you can imagine. We all know what happened. And that that was the issue we don't have that here we don't have that that it's a different different scenario however you know the expression Jeff when Fed raises rates something always breaks and th- this was it this was it this was it now I mean you know it, it isn't even as if the Fed has raised rates that much but there was no risk management here and so the question is is it isolated uh the question is really in the regional banks, how many of them actually have good risk management? How many of them think about how they would get through during a period of stress? You know, the large banks have been tested tremendous amount of regulation and they also, uh, you know, have gone through the stress tests. Uh, This bank in particular actually did not have that. Apparently they, they negotiated something with, with the, um, with the regulators and felt that they didn't didn't need it. But overall, there was no risk management. Uh taking a look at the documents, uh, it was fascinating. Risk risk came up so often, uh, but there was really no one, no one, no one really doing any work. The management, the board looking at the backgrounds, very impressive backgrounds, but nothing associated with uh, risk management. And so um they they managed to get through this period until now and uh, you know because of, you just mentioned that the, the the nature of their of their clientele also being hindered uh by the by the slowdown in to, in ipos for technology uh slowdown in in secondary offerings and, and deal making uh it, they, they they heard rumors that there were there were issues and they know they knew that they needed to get their money out the question really is now actually whether or not whether or not confidence can be restored if you don't have the confidence you're going to have more contag- contagion because you're going to have panic you see it you see it in the treasury market there's been a push towards safety what was interesting in today's market was The ETFs were down. Even the large cap ETF was down. Uh, That was the XLF. Um, And the rest of the market was up for a good portion of the day. It was up. Everything was in the green. Now, you tell me how you could go on and have a scenario in which the banks in America are down in, in share price and the rest of the market is up. The juxtaposition, when you look at it, like something's wrong with this picture. You, you, you got to have the banks. You got to have the banks working. You got to have the banks functioning and confidence in the banks. And w- we have to see if the Fed can do this. But again, the market believed that the Fed. It came into this notion that the Fed no way was going to uh, raise rates in, 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 in March, and 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 that you know that sort of assuaged fears in the rest of the market. But uh, you know, there's a call right now. That the Fed needs to raise rates just to, especially, especially if uh, the CPI and the PPI reports, consumer price index and producer price index reports are showing that inflation is still, is still, you know, hot. Mm -hmm. So the Fed, the the Fed's in a difficult position. Um, Yeah, I've never uh, seen
1: so much disagreement about what (laughs) the Fed's going to do next that I'm seeing now.
2: Exactly, exactly.
1: Some yes, are saying exactly. Some are saying um, cut next week after we just debated yeah. last week fifty or twenty five. Yes. And and the the voracious demand for treasuries in the last four days is is dizzying. I mean, right? I mean, we we took a hundred basis points off the two year yield. Yeah. In a very yeah. short period of time, which is yeah. one of the biggest moves you've ever seen in that. And then yes. the ten-year yield, of course, down uh-huh. down about a half a percent, but essentially from four to three and a half, just like that. So just a huge unwinding of expectations for the Fed. That's kind of the sim, the silver lining here, Quincy. Yes, and I'm, exactly. You brought up a lot of, you know, a lot of good points about what, what makes this kind of different, and, and there's certainly there is still risk of contagion because you, you know you're right, the confidence. Um, is everything in in banks and people are free to move deposits and you know the banks have a lot of losses in these bond securities on their, and these treasury securities on their balance sheet still in fact if you chart, I'm sure somebody's put this chart out but if you chart um, unrealized losses in securities portfolios for banks against their stock performance today and maybe Friday, I bet there's a near perfect correlation right the uh the most interest rate sensitive and lowest quality balance sheets are are seeing the biggest sell-offs today <clears throat> you know I'm talking about the regional banks so oh yeah, uh, yeah that yeah. is what that is what people should be you know if you're if you're trading individual banks um that's what you should be watching I think on the other end of this this kind of gets to the opportunities piece in the uh in the agenda on the on the previous slide there's going to be a really attractive opportunity here uh, to make some money in in some of the we'll call it higher quality regional banks or higher quality super regional banks, right? Because they're just selling off. I mean, the, the, these valuations. You, you I mean, sometimes you don't even see these valuations in a crisis. We're no, right? we're, we're uh, even yeah. below yeah. some crisis level valuations yeah.
2: mm-hmm. in
1: in some yeah. of these cases, and so I don't I don't know what's going to cause confidence to be restored. In this group. I don't know what more the Fed can do. You know, we're probably going to get more regulation. Uh, you know, they're not going to have a situation where a bank of Silicon Valley's size does not undergo stress tests. You know, that that's a kind of an easy thing uh, to change. But um, the Fed can't guarantee deposits for all these banks, right? There, there's just not, I mean, it would have it would come from the taxpayer. Right. And there's no appetite for that kind of bailout if if some of these super regional banks see a run like what Silicon Valley Bank did. And we should mention Signature Bank uh, of New York. So uh, which also failed over the weekend. So um, something will come to restore confidence, I'm sure somehow. But it's just not clear, uh, Quincy, how that happens. Is there anything regulators can do?
2: I'm sorry.
1: Is, Is there anything regulators can do? To quickly restore confidence in all of these banks, short of guaranteeing all deposits, which obviously uh, is an expensive proposition and not workable.
2: It is expensive, but obviously the Fed felt that, well, you had those facilities allowing them to borrow at a low raise, which is really interesting because this is exactly what the Chinese People's Bank of China is doing with the failed uh, property market coming in with these uh, facilities of, of very low low rates uh, to help get them help get them through um they've got to do more of that they're probably going to have to do more of that we haven't heard the end of it uh in terms of what they're going to do uh, but above all else above all else it is about the um those deposits and you're right and this is where the question comes in Jeff is well if if the government is going to take care of me, and I'm above two hundred and fifty thousand um, dollars, well, maybe maybe I'll just stay with my bank. I won't I won't call up and take you know start taking the money out and divvying and it up two fifty and two fifty for other banks. However, the, a little voice in you says just what you alluded to: Are they really going to be able to do that? Are they really? And then once you start going down that path. You start thinking, I better get my money out, and that's where they do not want to see that next thought come into your brain, because that is where the contagion is. That's where the panic is, and um, you, you, sometimes it, sometimes these things are irrational. Sometimes it, it does you, you can't stop it, and as you pointed out, how quickly this happened, correct? How quickly it happened. Unbelie, un- unbelievable. I mean, Rossington Mutual. I, if I'm not mistaken, it took a while. I remember it was in the the news for a while. It was a very, wasn't it a slow death?
1: I think so. Sure. Yeah. Well, be- yeah. because um, banking wasn't so digital back then, it took longer. It, yeah. For yeah. people to get the word that there was trouble and and move their yeah. money. That now you know, you know, people don't have to walk into a branch.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: um, some do, but mostly, uh, this was just, again, the, the uniqueness of the client base, these, these VCs, this was basically like a VC network, their client. Yes. Base. Uh, yes, and, um, you know, so uh, we're traveled like wildfire and, um, you know, people were just uh, clicking transfer. Yeah, <laughs> right? yes. It didn't take uh, yeah, that long. It didn't take exactly. that long. That, uh, but right.
2: I had a couple of things that, positive. This is positive. Um, HSBC bought or said they're going to buy the uh, British branch of uh, SVB Bank. So that that's good because otherwise it was going to be it was going to be put down in the in the, in the junk category by the British government. So th- they're they're going to buy that. If we could find a buyer, uh, if they can go out and find a buyer, uh, that would be helpful. That would I think restore confidence. I was thinking to myself, because you remember Warren Buffett, every time he kind of drops into scenarios like this, so granted, he always gets a very good um, a very good deal when he comes in as a savior. You remember? Mm-hmm. Uh, that helps restore. It does. It helps restore confidence. Something along those lines. I mean, it, it, you, you need to have a buyer. You need to have a buyer. And they failed. And then the next thing was, okay, we're, we're going to take care of the... Um, Those who have deposits, not not the shareholders, no, not even some of the those who hold debt, no. Uh, But we'll do that. And and you have to ask yourself, what would have happened without that? What what would we be looking at today if they had not said that about making that?
1: That's the the decision that the regulators made. You know, invest a little bit now, right, and uh, stop the contagion or wait you know um avoid yeah. the political fallout because people are saying this is a bailout which it really isn't uh, it no. so um and 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 pay a bigger price later so i think they made the right decision in this case uh but once you start introducing taxpayer money this is not a taxpayer bailout FDIC is paying the bill um but if once you get into taxpayer money that is a whole different story
2: oh yeah yeah absolutely and, and then absolutely, you know that, that's,
1: yeah. that's where you have trouble so the there is contagion risk here it, maybe it's low because the FED is backstopping deposits and opening up the discount window and making it easier to mm-hmm. borrow against yeah. uh yeah. devalued securities and all of that um but if we do uh get to a point where you know you have some other big, uh, troubled banks, you know, th- there's going to be some some depositors could end up losing. I guess we don't want to sugarcoat this. Um, there is certainly a possibility if we get more runs and more troubled banks that um, uninsured deposits will be at risk. So, um, you know, take that for 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 what it's worth. It's it's a it's a very uncomfortable situation to be in, but that's that's what we're what we're what we're dealing with. Now, um, if confidence can be restored, which is you know likely to happen in the coming months, uh, hopefully coming weeks, then you have some real opportunities. I meant, mentioned it earlier. You could have an opportunity to buy uh, some of these higher quality banks at really attractive valuations. So that's not an opportunity now, in our view. We just discussed this at our asset allocation asset allocation committee meeting just a couple hours ago, um, and. Um, Preferreds came up as a topic of conversation as a potential opportunity. So um, it's a little bit of a higher quality way to buy banks, you know, not maybe not as high quality as an investment grade bond in a bank, but um, a pretty high quality way to uh, invest in financials. Most preferred securities are financials, so that's another place to look uh, potentially to take advantage of this uh, downdraft. But but we're really in general, we would wait for um the dust to, to settle a little bit. So that's that's a quick look at the opportunities and the risks. Uh, anything else on this, Quincy, before we uh we move on? I mean, that's a lot, probably didn't inspire a lot of confidence, but it's still early and the situation's fluid. So we really don't we really don't quite have the resolution that we want. No, it's good yeah. that as you mentioned, that the, the rest of the market. I mean, I'll have to check again,
2: <laughs> but it was, it's changing it, it, every it, second.
1: It, it, the volatility it in futures, yeah. volatility yeah. in futures overnight was was crazy. Um yeah. Yeah. but we've been kind of bouncing around, you know, up a little, down a little um most of the day. Looks like the broad market is kind of flattish right now. Um, but we're seeing some gains in the NASDAQ. Yeah,
2: yield, yield exactly yields are coming down, are coming uh, down, and You know, that's has been, always been attractive for tech. And, and there's a view somehow, again, that if the Fed do- doesn't raise rates, uh, it's indicative of their fear, and which then, of course, you analyze, and then that would bring rates down even more, which is also attractive for uh, the longer-duration uh, tech names. So get, this gets into a psychological, a, it has nothing to do with fundamentals anymore, it has to do with the psyche of of the Fed versus what the market wants.
1: No doubt. Yeah. So um they might just raise 25 basis points to mm-hmm. show their conviction in taming inflation and to project confidence that the banking mm-hmm. system can handle it. However, there's some really smart um widely respected Fed watchers out there who say they're going to pause because you know, if they don't they're kind of on both sides of the trade causing bond losses and, in a sense, so the narrative goes, bailing out the losers from those bond losses that they are creating. <laughs> so it's really, a, they're in a tough spot. I wouldn't be surprised by a pause, but I think the odds slightly favor that projecting confidence, continuing yes. with their plan and, and going ahead and hiking 25 basis points, but being very cautious with their message. As they do that,
2: as if they, they do, do that, Jeff, but what about one other thing? What about pausing on the quantitative tightening uh, aspect, which you don't hear much about, but that they pause so sure. they raise 25 basis points and then they said, we will pause. That would not, I think, have the market as concerned. Uh, if they if they said, "Oh, we can't we, we can't raise any rates because things are really that bad, th- th- that would make I think make the market nervous. But what about would there be that much of an effect in the market if, in fact, they said we're pausing with the quantitative tightening. What do you think?
1: Uh, I don't know if I mean, the numbers are pretty big, but you're right. Yeah. the market's not really paying close attention to that, and it's kind of hard to quantify. Um, exactly what that impact would would be. But when you when you see rates moving 50 basis points in a couple of days, mm-hmm. right? It's that that really I think is almost overwhelming. Yeah. Any impact of the Fed being out there um you know either not selling or buying uh yeah. treasuries in a sort of
0: yeah. methodical
1: right mechanical sort of small way. amounts over time. Yeah. Regular yeah. small so yeah. it's a really interesting question. I, I wouldn't be surprised by that either. I, mm-hmm. I think that they're going to want to be very careful. And this is new information they didn't have w- when they were talking. I mean, even when Powell last week was testifying in front of Congress, he didn't have this information.
2: No, no.
1: So obviously <laughs> he would have talked yeah. much differently. Yeah, so, uh, exactly. Yeah. Th- this is, as I said, a very fluid situation. And, and I, could, I could see strong cases on, on both sides for the... Quantitative tightening, you know, not selling bonds potentially, uh, or the um, you know, 25 basis points up or pause. It's uh it, it's it's a mm-hmm. tough call. Boy, I tell you, mm-hmm. I knew Chair Powell had a tough job, but now he really has.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Job. Um so let, let, let's move on, Quincy, and just talk about yeah. some of the other topics that we have here. Sure. So um um, well, first to wrap up this topic, credit default swap. So this is just insurance against bank defaults this is the whole group of banks aggregated together a chart uh, created by our uh, chief technician adam turnquist and the point here is that the the markets bet on broad defaults in the banking system haven't even come back to where they were a few months ago mm-hmm. right For, forget about um you know 2008 comparisons we're we're oh. not even to the october lows of 2022 yeah. <laughs> right remember the stock market bottomed uh in October of last year and that was the point where the, sort of you had this you know ratcheting higher of Fed rate hike expectations yeah. and disappointing inflation numbers and all of that and yet Bank failures were just not really in the radar uh, on the radar for anybody but credit default slops were pricing in a greater chance of default then than they are now so yeah. this is a positive message this is a a pretty calm uh, message. Now, this these spreads are probably going to widen. It's you know when you when you're buying insurance when your house is on fire, the insurance rates go up, <laughs> right? So that's essentially what this is. The some of the banks are on fire, and insurance is going to cost more. So you're going to see this move up probably in the coming days. Uh, but if it stabilizes somewhere near where it has been, uh, that'll be certainly a a positive sign and 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 we would think it would what you what you have here is a kind of a barbell right you have mm-hmm. some really high quality banks that are doing fine and then you have some banks that you know are really getting hit hard today because the market is looking at balance sheet risk and saying that those banks are in worse shape and might be at risk of a run might be at risk of needing capital yeah right so the high quality ones go up and the low quality ones go down and you end, end up with a little bit of a te- deterioration here, but not probably not dramatic. Um, we'll we'll keep watching this, but um, it looks pretty pretty good now. Um, so you know, it almost seems like a year ago, but last week, you know, just to highlight a couple of things as we transition to asset allocation. Um, I mean, we basically had a five percent pullback on just this bank news alone, um, and small caps got hit a lot worse. Right, small cap benchmarks have more financials in them, they have more banks in them. And so it's natural that those would do worse. Plus you have, they're more credit sensitive, right? They have more generally more Mm -hmm. debt on the balance sheets, rely on the capital markets more, Mm -hmm. uh, or just traditional bank loans uh, for funding. And as credit markets deteriorate, you tend to see small caps underperform. So we mentioned, you know, preferreds maybe a situation where you can get a a good deal, uh, buying them here, regional banks, the better regional banks, we think, a good deal coming soon. Um, small caps would be another one, right? I mean, small caps are getting absolutely hammered the past few days. Uh, maybe an opportunity here. Um, I think that's really all. Anything to add to this?
2: No, Friends, I mean, it's, it's it, it is yeah. It's just been it's been difficult. I mean, we did see industrials hold up. They 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 managed to to uh, to hold up, but it, it, the worry, Jeff, is. If we get another, back in a first republic, but you know, and then if we get another, um, it's is that the psyche in the market just just, how do I say this? Is you get a vortex of of uncertainty, and that's the last thing you want because it it will envelop everything. That's the worry, except treasuries, obviously in gold, uh, you know, complete uh, complete uh, risk off, which of course then provides tremendous opportunity. I had a question for you, Jeff. With rates coming down, if it continues, do you think that um, folks will be, how do I say this, refinancing? Do you think that they will be going out, as we've seen before, when rates have come down, actually take advantage of lower house uh, prices and buy and go house shopping?
1: Sure, uh, absolutely. Um, on the margin, you're going to see more of that. Yeah. I mean, even... I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but you, you've even seen refinancings in the last few months, right? They don't go to zero. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I guess, uh, I mean, this is a huge move, right? We're talking about mortgage rates probably going from, you know, seven to five and a half. Exactly. Uh, pot- potentially. That, that is a huge move. I, I don't know where they are today, but um, that's mm-hmm. going to make affordability a little bit more attractive for yeah. people. Uh, the the other thing you're seeing, you're seeing a weak, weaker dollar and that's, um, well, and um, falling interest rates helping gold. So mm-hmm. gold appears, at least for now, and, and we've liked precious metals, positive view on precious metals recently, as well as industrial metals. Gold likes a falling dollar. Gold likes lower interest rates. Gold likes kind of this crisis mode where you're relying on the government stimulus or government Uh, regulation right to kind of Mm -hmm. keep us afloat this this is so that may be an opportunity and an interesting hedge uh for for people who um you know maybe are looking to be a little bit more defensive in the in the short term in fact i'd probably rather be there i mean utilities are fine as a defensive play but i'd probably rather be in gold for the very Mm -hmm. short term while this settles out
2: uh
1: than 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 utilities with some equity sensitivity um, so here's, you know, precious metals haven't been doing great, uh, but, you know, last week kind of flat, that's a win, <laughs> right, when the mm-hmm. stock market's down uh, almost 5%, so, um, but really just turning the left-hand side of this table, look at the bond rally last week, right, Treasury index up 1.6%, like, I mean, that's a year for bonds in some <laughs> in some cases, yeah. right, Yeah. yeah. so yeah. I can't over, I mean, we'll, um, you know, we want to hear from Lawrence Gillum, our fixed income strategist on this he obviously is much more qualified than than i am to talk about the magnitude of the bond move but this this was just massive and i think it's only a handful of days where we've seen moves or or two-day or three-day periods where we've seen moves this big i think 1987 yeah. was really the only time we oh seen my
2: goodness so. yeah. yeah yeah
1: we know what happened in 1987 so um you got to go back a long ways to find a move this violent in terms of um yields falling. So um here's what the S&P looked like at least a few hours ago. I think we I think we closed similar to this, you know, kind of 3880, 3890 uh range. So we're below the 50, uh, the um 200-day and the 50-day. People are paying a lot of request, uh, of attention to the 200-day. So that break is certainly negative. So this is, you know, introducing the risk of 3,800, maybe even the October lows, much more likely that we go down there and retest. You know, we don't have a lot of conviction that we're going to hit the October lows, but certainly, um, you know, given this environment, given the risk to the economy and earnings over the next few months from this crisis, uh, it's going to be, you know, a little bit tougher to to just get back to, let's say, 4,300 um, which was our which is our price target for year end. Uh, but we had anticipated making a run at that more quickly. Uh now it's just going to take more time as we kind of digest uh what's just happened in the banks. So um I'll run through these real quick. The charts and the week of market commentary where we just update our thoughts on asset allocation. Um, this is growth value, and and I was surprised that that on a technical basis that growth didn't quite make enough. Progress to to flip this and kind of turn into a technical buy. So uh, Adam still sees value as having a slight advantage, but of course that is very reliant on what we see out of the financials. So I wouldn't be surprised if this flips um, and technically growth looks better, but it just hasn't uh, quite yet. So um, turning to small caps, I mentioned the valuations here. You see them, you know, thirteen times forward earnings for the S&P 600 index that is really really cheap and um you know we would continue to favor that index over the lower quality Russell uh, 2000 but i mean just so much cheaper than its average and so much cheaper than large caps uh we continue to think small caps are an opportunity now remember you have more financials there right higher weighting much higher weighting in financials so um relying on you know, return of confidence in the banking system to really work. But that's an area that we we continue to like. And then I got two charts on, um, on uh, international. So first, this is just earnings growth consensus for international versus EM versus U.S. And you can see U.S. and developed international consensus is still, you know, up about two points for this year. Those estimates are probably too high. Uh, we might have a slight decline when all the numbers are in. We'll see. Um, we're, we're forecasting flat, but what's interesting is, you know, developed international is, you know, is in line, right? So the U S has had an earnings advantage for so long, uh, this year they may not, uh, certainly Europe's gotten a lot of help. Quincy, you and I've talked a lot about this because of lower natural gas prices. Uh, the resilience of the European economy has really helped kind of level the playing field. So developed international looks cheap relative to the U S the technicals look better. Um, and the you know the earnings picture is similar, no. right? So frankly, we're pretty much almost indifferent between those two. We do have a slight overweight to U.S. Uh, relative to developed international, but not not as significant as it was uh, before. And we continue to underweight emerging markets, uh, which are expecting to see an earnings decline this year in consensus. So the earnings decline with the strength of the dollar year over year, maybe this earnings decline is even worse. Um, and then, last thing on this, Quincy, and then I'll turn it over to you for any comments on on any of these points. Uh, the earnings estimate momentum for EM is pretty bad. Um, that's the light blue line at the bottom here. You know, it makes sense after the Russian invasion of Ukraine that those and and Russia's removal from the index that you would have negative, uh, you know, estimates be cut right, mm-hmm. which we got. But look what's happened. You know, even in just the last six seven months. Uh, estimates have continued to fall, so uh, some of that is currency, but it's not all currency. So um, we just think it makes sense to be careful with emerging markets because of the estimate, you know, the negative estimate revisions, expected earnings declines this year. Plus, you know, EM doesn't have a great track record of hitting earnings estimates anyway. And then you have the China tensions, um, you know, the ongoing conflict in in Europe. Uh, It's just it's a tough tough environment for for EM. So we continue to recommend uh, an underweight, which we talk about in the week commentary. So that was a lot. Um, Anything to add to that, Quincy? Before we quickly look at the data for the week and wrap. No, no, no.
2: That's good. It's all good. Keep rolling. Yeah, keep rolling.
1: All right, let's keep rolling. So we got a ton of data this week. Um, Nobody's going to care about economic data too much tomorrow or. Wednesday, maybe, <laughs> but uh, well, as you listen to this? It's Tuesday. Um, yeah. But if the CPI is off of expectations in either direction, mm-hmm. then maybe that will get some attention. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on the inflation data for the week, Quincy? And what else should people be watching?
2: Well, the inflation. I mean, it's the Fed still has a job to do, and again, I, I as you pointed out. Um, it's a conundrum for them, isn't it? Uh, and and I think they'll they'll be lucky if it's a little bit cooler, just as the payroll data actually actually was a bit cooler, despite the headline number. So if the data are um, cooler in terms of inflation, I think it, I think it helps them. It helps it help obviously it helps the market, but for other reasons, the Fed doesn't have to have to prove. Um, Prove anything in terms of their commitment that so maybe they do stick with the twenty-five basis points. By the way, I think too, if the Fed takes a look at the data and 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 the market and 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 the financials, um, we will know. I don't think they're going to surprise the market on the twenty-second. I think that, I think they will telegraph it with the with the statement. Uh, uh, before, they're in, the, they're in the blackout period, right? But I, I, I don't think that they want to surprise the market. Um I certainly would not want to surprise the market with 50, 50 basis points, uh, absolutely not. But 25, or if they don't do anything, um, sometimes they get more bang for their buck in the market when they do something that the market wants. But this time it's different, Jeff. I think the market wants them to do their job and and get rid of the, the inflation and just do it and finish up the job. I think I think ultimately the market would be disappointed if the Fed if the Fed um, stopped or paused.
1: Yeah, I think it should be clear to the market that the that the problems at Silicon Valley Bank are not going to cure the inflation issues. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, even if it creates a tougher environment for venture capital funding, mm-hmm. uh, and some of those startups, th- that's yeah. just that's not enough to yeah. bring down CPI over the next few months. Right. Yeah, it's really. So um, it, it's enough to get Powell to pause because he doesn't want to create any more bank balance sheet problems, yeah. you know, maybe after this March hike uh, mm-hmm. or be very careful with his comments if he does hike in in march on, on on the 22nd but but it's it's not going to make a meaningful dent in inflation right no. now the no. the hikes they've done to this point are going to make a little bit of a dent in inflation mm-hmm. right yeah. <laughs> and certainly um you know consumers have seen purchasing power eroded and mm-hmm. are being a little bit more cautious we saw unemployment tick up a little bit at least based on the unemployment rate so you yeah. see consumers be a little bit more cautious, a little more discerning, right? Mm-hmm. And and maybe that makes it tougher for companies to pass through higher prices. Mm-hmm. So there are some, there's no doubt that there have been some moves, um, some advertent, some inadvertent, right? Some things that have helped uh, contain mm-hmm. inflation and get it you know off the boil. But yes. but this latest news probably won't have a huge impact because we're just not talking about. Enough people and enough jobs yeah. to move the needle quickly. it's <laughs> It's more about bank balance sheets. So, yeah, um so yeah, I, I think we 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 generally see eye to eye on that. Um, I don't think anything else, again, given the magnitude of this bank stress that we're seeing, you know, I don't think retail sales is going to get a lot of attention, but it should hang in there. Remember, that's nominal. It's not inflation adjusted. Uh, And then the housing data, you know, people expect housing data to be weak because of rates, right? Mm -hmm. You know, before mortgage rates recently came down, they went up a lot. (laughs) So uh, there's no doubt the housing data continues to be kind of tepid. uh, So that shouldn't surprise anybody. And then the University of Michigan inflation expectations, I think, might be interesting.
2: Yeah, Um, and leading indicators as
1: well. And leading indicators, yes, which are affected by the markets. So maybe yeah. um, I mean that's already signaling recession. The mm. bank failures do marginally increase the odds of recession, but um, you know maybe maybe that'll get the Fed to pause kind of seeing collectively all of these all of these indicators weaken just a little bit while the banks are having problems at the same time. So so we'll see. it's going to be one of the most interesting Fed meetings uh, of, of certainly, I think we- my career. Maybe your career, Quincy, which is. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Very hard to to call. So very um,
2: difficult. And we have earnings this month. I know a week. But by the way, by the way. Yeah. Yes. Lunar, uh, one of the dollar dollar. I think it's dollar general. And we also have um, FedEx uh, and I think also Adobe. So, I mean, you think you always say that the the. earnings period is over and then you always have these these names uh, uh, after cuz of the calendar but it should be that should be interesting as well
1: Yeah absolutely um the market didn't like oracle's results too much that was another big name that that just reported so yeah, yeah we'll start talking about earnings season in a couple of weeks uh cuz it's yeah. it's not it's not far away and certainly the earnings season for the banks will be especially interesting <laughs> So with that <laughs> let's, let's go ahead and wrap uh let's see if i can get to my closing slide hey there it is thank you everybody for for joining thank you really thank appreciate you, so you much. uh tuning in thank you quincy for thank you on this Always. complicated it's a really complicated situation it's a challenging environment yeah uh, but um we'll get through it um and um certainly we'll continue to keep you updated on the situation uh going forward so we'll be back with you next week see you then and uh everybody have a wonderful day thank you so much. Bye.
0: This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principle. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker dealer